0: Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with Baking for Those We Love – Today, we're reviewing our pumpkin soft pretzels and introducing our final recipe this month, a pumpkin cookie with caramel frosting. Finally, in the Language Lab, we'll take a look at foods around the globe that have one thing in common. They were named after the city in which they were created. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk.
1: Andrea, later on in this episode, we're going to be talking about foods named after cities. And we thought it would be a really appropriate time to share where in the world our listeners are coming from. Have you had a chance to look at any of these statistics?
0: I do. I enjoy. I have a piece of software that shows us where our downloads are coming from. And I really enjoy pulling it up in kind of a map view so I can see where people all over the world are listening to us. So lay it on me. Tell me where people are from. It makes me so happy. So no surprise, our top downloads come from
1: the United States. Go Team USA. That's about 86% of our listeners. No surprise there. Of course, that is our home country. But the next few might just surprise you a little bit. So I can't wait to hear. Yeah. So number two, Canada. Excellent. I think you and I both have an affinity for our neighbors to the north. Indeed, we do. Number three, the United Kingdom, my adopted country representing right there behind (laughs) Canada. Number four, Australia. And I know we have several listeners on our Facebook community from Australia who are really active. So happy to see them in the number four spot. We do. Yeah. Number five, Sweden. That one kind of surprised me.
0: I think, you know, I think of Sweden as a cold place where lots of baking takes place. So maybe that's the appeal over there in Sweden. It could be 6 through 10. Here we go.
1: Thailand, France, Spain, New Zealand, and Denmark, followed by Finland, India, Belgium, Switzerland, Kenya, Guatemala, Germany, Ireland, Hong Kong, Italy, Malaysia, Paraguay, Vietnam, the United Arab Emirates, and Jordan. Oh, my gosh. We are everywhere. And for the final roughly eight countries that people are listening to, according to our statistics, and these do fluctuate kind of almost daily, there is one listener in each of these countries. So special, special preheated shout out to the folks listening in. The Bahamas, Japan, Mexico, Netherlands, Philippines, Saudi Arabia, Slovenia,
0: and Taiwan. Oh my Andrea. Gosh. Only one person in Mexico and yet Canada is our number two. That's fascinating. <laughs>
1: And you know, you had posted on our Facebook page the other day, someone had written us a lovely review, and you said, look at how many downloads, new downloads we got from this one review. And it was something like 300 That's new, right. new people. Yeah. So these folks listening, if you are the one person listening in Japan, you could have a 100% impact on our show in your country <laughs> just if you got one friend
0: to listen <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It would make you feel so good. I love hearing where everyone is from. Thank you for figuring that out. That is so exciting. I love it, too. And you guys know that we just are, are so
1: we are just so humbled and and love the fact that that folks from around the world are listening so please if you're in in any of those countries we mentioned or or perhaps you know there's there's more too that that we didn't our statistic tracker didn't catch let us know get involved on the Facebook page tell us what you are baking and and how you found the show and all
0: of that we would we would love it so yeah but thanks to way. everyone worldwide and thanks to people worldwide i know that most of you are on the metric system and i especially I uh, still tend to rely on using my cups and teaspoons, and so yes. we really are trying to make sure that we provide conversions or we find recipes with conversions. I am starting to be a real convert myself because it is so much easier to clean up when I weigh yes. instead of measure. But um, probably you might get a little frustrated with us when you see us using so many of our recipes, which I've just been using for years and weighing and measuring. So um, we will keep trying to throw in more of the weights. It is a great Great way. And I think you do get better and more accurate results when you weigh instead of using your cups and your teaspoons. Yeah, me too. Stefan, in just a couple of weeks, we are going to have our 100th episode. Can you believe it?
1: Oh, the giddiness is already starting. I am stocking up on those confetti guns (laughs) and...
0: Party hats. <laughs> Listeners, we just want to remind you if you are on Facebook, please do go over to our Facebook group and throw in a vote for your favorite recipe from the first 99 episodes. It can yeah. either be one that you made and absolutely loved or one that you've been dying to make and just haven't gotten around to yet. And it seems like for the people who've posted so far, I'm noticing a theme. Have you seen that, Stefan? I think I have. And it's pie by a mile so far. Pie by a mile for sure. So um, unless you guys want pie to take the cake in this big <laughs> <laughs> in this big competition, then get out there and vote. Let us know what your favorite is. We're really having fun seeing what people have been doing and what they've enjoyed. And um, of course, we're going to award our big blue ribbons as well. So that'll be fun. Yeah, coming up. Let us know what's, uh, what's made you happy over the last 100
1: episodes. Well, Andrea, maybe there will be a vote for this week's bake-along, which was the soft pumpkin pretzel with cinnamon sugar. This was from the Alaska From Scratch blog, and Maya Wilson was the name of the author and cookbook author. Uh, Julia O'Malley, who you interviewed last episode in episode 96, had given her a shout-out as well. We had done a soft pretzel back in episode 68 during our bread month, that episode perhaps my top titled episode yet hot buttered yum I cannot (laughs) be prouder of that one Uh, and we had we had said perhaps you want to take a look back if you if you're not coming to this pretzel with a lot of pretzel skills in place take a look back get some best practices there before you tackle this one Andrea this was a new twist for both of us adding pumpkin puree to a pretzel dough how'd it go
0: for you I like that you said it's a new twist. We're just full of the puns, oh, the puns today. Can't even help myself. This went really well for me. Um, okay. One of the things I loved about it was how quick it was from start to finish, yeah. even though it involved a yeast dough and a rise. I started this at 11 a.m. on a Sunday, and I finished it at 1 p.m. And in terms of you know pulling the pretzels out of the oven, so I was pretty impressed that I was able to get it done that quickly. Yes, the rise, um, having the yeast, the sugar, the warm water bloom, I believe is what you taught me. That is called. And That's correct. So that way I knew my yeast was still alive and happy. Um, I let that happen in the bowl of the stand mixer. I added in the pumpkin puree and the oil, the sugar, and the salt. And then it says gradually add flour until dough comes together and forms a ball. And the recipe Mm -hmm. has two and a half cups. She makes the comment that you might not need the last quarter to a half a cup. I actually had the opposite. I ended up needing a three cups total to actually get it to form a ball.
1: Okay, and I didn't. I just used the uh, the two.
0: Yeah, so. Interesting.
1: Yeah, different yeah. different temperatures, different humidity that day in our kitchens. Yeah,
0: and probably different pumpkin as well, you know, because it Could depends be. on how much liquid is in your pumpkin. Um, right. And, of course, I did use the dough hook attachment for that five to ten minutes of kneading. I am not one to stand and knead. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually so thrilled to get out my dough hook. It is
1: oh, perhaps the implement on my KitchenAid that I use the least. Yeah, so I, I had this
0: giddy sense of like getting it out of the cupboard and hooking it up, so yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> and I just feel like it's such a time saver, because I think to myself, oh my gosh, I would be standing here kneading for 10 minutes, and instead I can yep. stand here and look at the bowl for 10 minutes, it was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I did use the trick uh, back from Alexandra Stafford, who taught us a great place to let dough rise is in your oven, and the way that you do it is you turn your oven on to preheat to 400, but you only leave it on for one minute, and then you turn mm-hmm. it off, and then that will get your oven temperature up to a nice, good temperature, so I will did that little trick and I put the bowl in the oven. I let it rise for exactly one hour and then I did the hot water bath, which I remember doing from the King Arthur. So I used a shallow sheet pan. I added the baking soda to the hot water and stirred it and then poured it into the sheet pan. Yeah. And then she did say that one of the keys for success in this recipe was making sure that the pretzels were evenly in size. So I did pull my kitchen scale out and I had a 600 gram size ball so I divided them into 100 grams each I don't know if you uh, wagers and you know how much it turned out mine were 63 grams each Oh, how could that be well you probably made eight I made six I did make yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I did that's mm-hmm. why okay yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yes yeah. so yeah when I saw it was 600 grams and she said you could make six to eight I just decided right away that was too easy do to, the math <laughs> yeah exactly yes. nice round number yeah so I rolled them into those long ropes and then it says twist each rope into a pretzel shape I had said I was going to get my daughter to help me I decided yeah. I didn't need help and I could figure this out on my <laughs> own uh not so much my first one turned out okay but I tell I could not replicate that twist after that so when you see my pictures you might be a little disappointed in my pretzel shapes
1: <laughs> did they just kind of puff up a little bit more they do just kind of puff up I mean I yeah, still think yeah. they're
0: pretty I prefer no to biggie. think of them as pumpkin knots perhaps instead of pumpkin oh. pretzels <laughs> it's all about reframing I love that yeah, yeah. And I did bake them for eight minutes. Do pay attention to that um, note about watch them carefully because Mm -hmm. I don't know about yours, but mine turned brown in the last minute. Yes. Okay. Yes. Kind of dramatically. Very dramatically. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then I had my melted butter. I brushed the layer on top of the hot pretzel. And then for my cinnamon sugar mixture, she called out regular white sugar. I used that Demerara sugar instead. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. But, yeah, that's it. Okay. It's the, you know, the big, crystally, chunky brown sugar. And the reason I use that is I thought, you know, with a regular pretzel, I like it when I can see the big white chunks of salt. And I wanted sort of a similar feel. Mm. So. Good point. That's what I did. I ate one of these immediately hot out of the oven, I think is for sure the way to go with this. I loved it. I offered it to my daughter, and I was denied. And it's because you didn't ask her to help make
1: the pretzel twists. She was...
0: Honestly, I think what's happened is that pumpkin Palooza has run its course in my household. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's reached a pumpkin saturation. I think she has. And she sort of said to me, Mom, I, I know it's October. And I know you're doing this pumpkin thing, but can you please make something chocolate? Oh. <laughs> that sounds like my son, yes. And then I gave one to my husband. He did like it, but um, interestingly enough, you know, I think I've talked before about that old bait and switch, you know, where you think you're eating one thing and then you take a bite and you're eating something else. Yeah. So I didn't tell him when I handed it to him that it was a pumpkin pretzel with cinnamon sugar. I just handed it to him. I said, do you want a hot pretzel? He was like, absolutely. Okay. He took a bite. And then he he was eating, and he was like, well, this is sweet. And I said, oh, yeah, it's a pumpkin pretzel. And he goes, "But what's mm-hmm. what's this on top? And I said, well, it's it's sugar. He goes, oh. So... It wasn't that it wasn't good to him. It was that he was expecting a savory, salty dish. So my efforts to make my demerara sugar look like salt apparently were successful. You really fooled the eye. I really fooled the eye, but um, he was a little disappointed, but I think it was fully because of his expectation, not because of the flavor. I really love these. I had one, and then I packed up the rest and brought them to a party, and it was a party that had a lot of kids, and they disappeared fairly quickly. So I had Mm -hmm. a great experience. How about you, Stefan?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You say that these, I made eight. She says they will make six to eight. This is another of those smaller recipes that we seem to be having more frequently. And I really like that with a recipe that's new to my family. Too. I'm not sure maybe how it's going to go. Um, yeah, I ate. So there's four in my family. This made eight. I ate my two in like the first two <laughs> minutes they were out of their <laughs> oven. So
0: <laughs> you did your part
1: is what and I'm then, hearing. I did and then I just had to gaze longingly as I waited for like the rest of my family to come home from work and school that day. But uh, I really liked these pretzels. This was the only the second time that I had made a soft pretzel, the first being back during bread month. This was the first time I'd put pumpkin in a soft pretzel dough. Me too. I really liked that. Yeah, I really liked that. I thought they were perhaps a little chewier. Mm-hmm. I love the cinnamon sugar and the butter on top. They are so good. Is there anything better than a hot pretzel straight out of the oven? It's so delicious.
0: Nope. There's not.
1: (laughs) I also used a tip from Alexandra Stafford that we learned back in bread month in March and When a recipe, a yeast dough, calls for a warm water, which you're using to help activate that yeast, she says use half boiling water, half cold water, and you won't have to measure that. That's the right temperature. So I always do that now, and I wanted to just reiterate that because I think it's a great tip. You're just going to have the right temperature for blooming your yeast.
0: I'm so glad you reminded me of that because I have the little cheater option on my refrigerator where I have my water dispenser on the door, and one of the things I can do is go into the menu and dispense hot water, and it's labeled by both temperature and word. So, for example, it says warm, 90 degrees, and I can't remember what the next level is, but that's 100, and something else is 110, and it goes all the way up to hot, which I think was 140 or 160, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm so glad that it has the word here and not just the temperature because I couldn't remember what warm water was, but I knew there was a trick and I couldn't remember it. So I'm glad you reshared that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that is a good one. I also halved the baking soda wash. I looked back at that King Arthur flour recipe, and I think that recipe may have made a dozen, and it used half of that amount of water. So I just thought, you know, I'm not going to waste that baking soda if I don't really need to for eight eight pretzels in my case. So I just halved it. mm -hmm. That was fine. Just a little less uh, to work with there in terms of your ingredients. Um, yeah, yeah. I also scaled down a bit the topping, just a little less butter, a little less cinnamon sugar, and I still think I had ample topping on those, so no, no problem with the taste. Even going halvesies on the um, on yeah. the topping there. So, um, you know, the only other thing is that that King Arthur pretzel recipe has a lot of resting time, and so I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to incorporate that into these pretzels as well. So. After I made the pretzels into my evenly shaped balls, I let it rest uncovered for five minutes. And then after I twisted them into the pretzel shape, put them in the bath, I left them in that bath for two minutes, which was another tip for the from the King Arthur flower. So Oh, okay. Not sure if, you know, you sounds like you had great success and didn't do those rests, but I just decided to put some best practices
0: best pretzel practices into place with mine. Yeah, Impressive. (laughs) Impressive pulling that one out. That was a lot of peas. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. So that's good to know that um, the recipe will work if you do it. But obviously, if you don't, your sounds – if you have my experience, you'll still be okay.
1: Yeah, that sounds excellent. Okay, well, next up is the pumpkin cookie with caramel frosting. This is from Lauren at Tastes Better From Scratch. And, I mean, pumpkin – Carmel, we're going to end our Pumpkin Palooza Month on a super high note here, Andrea.
0: (laughs) What do we know about these cookies? Um, Well, we know that I wanted to make a pumpkin cookie, so that is one of the reasons that I found this one. I found some things that just didn't sound right with pumpkin to me. Isn't that funny how some (laughs) things you hear about adding pumpkin, you're like, ooh, that sounds good. And for example, there were a lot of recipes for pumpkin chocolate chip cookies, Mm -hmm. and that just sounds wrong to me. I agree. And
1: my family can't do it either, and they're huge chocolate chip people. I know okay. that's a big one like putting chocolate chips in pumpkin things, but it doesn't doesn't go well with for me either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just can't do it. Whereas pumpkin cookies with caramel frosting, those two together just sounded oh, yeah. absolutely perfect to me. One of the reasons I really like this recipe as well is she answered a question in her notes that you and I had. Do you recall back on episode 47 we made those mini pumpkin donuts? Mhm. Mhm. And both of us stored those, I think I stored mine in a Ziploc, and you might have stored yours in some type of container. And yes. we found that later they were, I believe we used the word clammy, yes.
1: <laughs> which Coated. is
0: not not what you're looking for when mm-hmm. it comes to serving a dessert. Um, in reading her recipe, she said right up front, when it comes to storing these, you can do it by freezing them. And I'm loving the ideas of freezing cookies because then they're always ready and you can just pop them out. And she made a note and said, the reason you want to freeze these cookies is that when you make a cookie with oil and canned pumpkin, it will cause the cookie to sweat when stored at room temperature. And I was like, yes, that's what it was doing. That's what it was doing. They were sweating. Oh, So that is why I picked this recipe, because she answered that conundrum I had had. I'm really excited to try and make it. I have um, all of these ingredients, maybe except the heavy whipping cream. I don't typically keep that around the house. But the cookie ingredients are fairly standard. You've got your sugar, your oil, your milk, your egg. Of course, a cup of your canned pumpkin, vanilla flour, and then some spices, some cinnamon, some salt, and baking powder and baking soda. And then for your frosting, you're going to use some butter, that heavy whipping cream, some light brown sugar, a little bit of salt, some powdered sugar, and some vanilla. I like this recipe a lot, too, Andrea, because
1: I do not frost cookies. I don't either. I don't have any that I can call to mind that I make on a regular mm-hmm. basis that are a frosted cookie. and. Looking at the recipe, it seems that this is gonna come together really quickly. So you're not spending a lot of time on the cookie portion. You do have a little extra time then to play around with making your frosting
0: and frosting it. I am super excited. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I think it'll be fun to wrap up the month with a pumpkin cookie. We've never done a pumpkin cookie before. So um, again, that is from Lauren at Taste Better From Scratch. And remember, we'll have a link to these recipes in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 97, or on our website at preheatedpodcast.com. Of course, you can also check in our Facebook group. Andrea, this summer I had the great fortune to
1: visit beautiful British Columbia, Canada while my family and I were back home in North America. And it was actually during a stop in the city of Nanaimo, British Columbia, that the idea for this Language Lab segment hit me. And I think I may have even sent you an
0: urgent text. (laughs) I think you did. Foods named after their place of origin. (laughs) Well, of course it hit you there because Nanaimo is home to the luscious Nanaimo bar. This is a delicious no-bake layered cookie concoction of chocolate, oats, coconut, and cream. I've said it before (laughs) and I will say it again. Nanaimo bars are definitely (laughs) making an appearance on Preheated at some point soon.
1: Oh, yes. I am completely on board with that. But I was thrilled to discover there is a literal world of foods named after places. I came across hundreds, if not thousands, of examples. From cheese to fruit to spice to rice. But in the interest of time, I narrowed it down to sweets from a city. And Andrea, I was even more excited to know that when names are words derived from place names,
0: they're called toponyms. So language And dessert nerds unite. This is fascinating. This is definitely shaping up to be our most grammatically correct language lab ever. (laughs) Okay, so hit us with the facts. Where in the world can we go for some very specific trademark sweets? Okay, so let's
1: start in my adopted country, England. You may remember our Sussex Pond Pudding back in episode 63.5. Oh, indeed. It was one of my faves. Well, it seems that almost every English city or region lays claim to a trademark dessert. So Ah. just a few for you. There is the Bakewell pudding and Bakewell tart from the town of Bakewell in Derbyshire. That is a flaky pastry with an eggy custard and a jam filling. The Eccles cake from Eccles in Manchester up north. A small round pastry, though it's inexplicably referred to as a cake (laughs) that is filled with currants. If you're a fan of Jacqueline Winspear's Maisie Dobbs series, you'll know this is Maisie's treat of choice. There's a Shrewsbury cake from the town of Shrewsbury in Shropshire. Again, it's not a cake, but it's a cookie (laughs) or a biscuit as we say in England. And this one is a buttery lemon cookie with dried fruit. Are you starting to notice a pattern? I'm noticing a pattern, and I'm liking it. The Liverpool tart is a pastry with a lemon filling, and a Manchester tart has a custard filling, raspberry jam, and coconut, and is garnished with a maraschino cherry. And finally, a shout-out to my English friends Ben and Katie, who clued me in to something called a Pontefract cake, which, again, is not a cake at all. England, but a small, round, (laughs) licorice-flavored sweet from Pontefract in Yorkshire.
0: I think I had run across all of those in some form or another. I like to read a lot of uh, English books, except for that last one, the Pontefract. That is totally new to me.
1: To me as well.
0: Well, we could stop right there and have enough baking to keep us busy for a year. (laughs) Plus, (laughs) these all sound very hearty and perfect for being cozy on a rainy afternoon at tea time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating how many of these desserts, which are also usually very historic, use dried fruit, since, of course, it would have been much more readily available
0: than fresh. So speaking of dried fruit, any chance there's a city-specific fruitcake? You know, you and I both love a good fruitcake. Up in Scotland, there's the Dundee
1: Cake, named after the city of Dundee, and it's a traditional Scottish fruitcake with almonds, currants, and sultanas a.k.a. raisins, Mm -hmm. and sometimes some citrus. Mm. And in India, there's the Allahabadi cake, and that is a traditional Indian rum fruit cake originating and lending its name from the North Indian city of Allahabad. It's a popular Christmas cake with eggs, butter, sugar, petha, marmalade, nuts, ginger, and fennel. Now, Andrea, I was familiar with all of those ingredients except
0: Petha. Do you know what that is? No, I have never heard of that.
1: It's candy
0: made from this month's signature ingredient, pumpkin. How perfect. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a fruitcake <laughs> right up our alley. I was recently in Italy, and I was in France last autumn. Are mm-hmm. there any fun city-specific treats from those city by chance? Of course. So while in Italy, did you happen to eat a
1: Nocciolini di Chivasso? Oh no, but that sounds fabulous. Yes, they are a small round cookie made with meringue and hazelnuts that are typical of the town of Chivasso in the province of Turin in the Italian region of Piedmont. And over in France, in the city of Lyon, they're known for coussin de Lyon, which is a sweet composed of chocolate, And pale green marzipan, which is an almond paste, filled with chocolate ganache, flavored with
0: curacao liqueur. Okay, I'm getting hungry. (laughs) These desserts are fascinating. Um, What about some specialties from Asia? I'm guessing there will be some flavors that aren't quite as familiar to my Western palate.
1: Yeah, that might be true. So in South Korea, the Jiangju bread is a local specialty of Jiangju City. And it's a small pastry with a filling of red bean paste. Andrea, this reminded me of a special frozen edition of the Globe Trotting Gourmet that we did back in first season, I think it was episode 30, when we talked about red bean paste flavoring some Asian ice creams. Oh, that's
0: right. And then uh, more recently, I remember we did a poll about favorite ice cream flavors, and listener Caroline mentioned her favorite was red bean.
1: I remember. And speaking of beans, in Indonesia, they have bakpia pathkok which is small, round-shaped sweet rolls that are usually stuffed with mung beans. But recently, the flavors have expanded to include chocolate, a durian, which is a tropical fruit,
0: and even cheese. I clearly need to book a holiday to Asia. I thought I might need someone to hold my hand to try those things. They sound so different than what I'm used to. Back to Europe, tell us some regional specialties from Germany, Austria, Switzerland, the Netherlands... Yeah, my pleasure. So in the Netherlands, there's the
1: Bosch Ball, sometimes called the Chocolate Ball, and its city of origin is Hertzkon And it's basically, Andrea, a large perfiderol or cream puff that's about five inches in diameter. So that's like a tennis ball size. Mm -hmm, These are mm -hmm. my kind of folks. I'm I'm liking this. Uh I'll continue. (laughs) Filled with whipped cream and coated entirely or almost entirely with usually dark chocolate icing. Oh my Mm. gosh. Let's go. (laughs) In Linz, Austria, many people are familiar with a Linzer torte or biscuit, which is a pastry featuring a nutty short crust that's usually made of hazelnuts. And a jam filling that's usually red currant, apricot, raspberry, or plum. And then it's topped with its trademark lattice crust. In Berlin, Germany, you can find a Berliner, a jam or cream-filled donut with no hole, topped with powdered sugar. Mm. And in Switzerland, in Zug, Switzerland, or Zug, Switzerland, be sure to try a Zuger Kirschtorte, which is a layer cake
0: consisting of a nut meringue, sponge cake, and buttercream flavored with cherry brandy. Oh, my gosh. I am remembering when I did spend some time in Switzerland, and we had tea time every day at 4 o'clock, and it always included a wonderful slice of layer cake. Oh. oh I'm Maybe sure this is what you were having, something like this then. I bet I was. I just yeah. didn't, I yeah. didn't know the names of it. Um, well, I am furiously taking notes for our preheated road trip. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, finally, bring it back to our home continent, North America. In addition to those Nanaimo bars that I am obsessed with, what else can foodies seek out?
1: There are so many. Of course, one of my perennial favorites is Boston Cream Pie from Boston, Mm -hmm. which is sponge cake layered with pastry cream and topped with chocolate. Listeners, you may remember that we did a great one back in episode 27 from a website called Sugar and Soul, and I actually awarded a blue ribbon to it that month. And many folks, Andrea, are familiar with, of course, Fig Newtons, yeah. which are a fig, fig stuffed soft cookie. But I admit I did not know they came from Newton, Massachusetts. Oh, no, me either. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious, right? I thought that was maybe someone's name or something, but not not the actual town. So, <laughs> And Smith Island Cake from Smith Island, Maryland. Uh, became the official dessert of Maryland in 2008, and that is layers of buttery yellow cake with chocolate frosting, mm. and Sally's Baking Addiction has a good-looking recipe for that if you want to check that dessert out. Oh, yes.
0: Well, and don't forget that delicious St. Louis gooey butter cake we made back oh. in episode oh, yes. 27. <laughs> of course! Okay, we might have to turn this segment into a theme, a whole month of food from specific places, since this yeah. obviously reaches way beyond the Nanaimo Bar And the Liverpool tart.
1: I agree. That would be so much fun. And we would have such a lot of content to choose from because believe me, we have only scratched the surface. Listeners, you are a worldwide bunch, as we said at the top of the show. So if your city or region has a specific trademark dessert, we want to hear about it.
0: Post your specialties to our Facebook page, and if you're interested in other regional specialties, start with Wikipedia and enjoy falling into the rabbit hole of links to search out your new favorite toponym and perhaps vacation destination. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get this episode
1: onto the cooling rack. Since October has five Mondays, we'll be back next week with a special bonus episode to review our pumpkin cookies with caramel frosting and award a coveted blue ribbon to the pumpkin dessert we loved best this month. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe, and consider ranking and reviewing us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.